Thank you for visiting Crosslink Community Church. We are located in Terre Haute, Indiana. For more information, please visit us online at cocchurch.com. Let's listen to one of our Sunday morning messages. That we're living in another part of the city. We live in a city of a million people. Thank you. <laughs> the old churches used to say, Amen, and I know technology, what it does, but. And those 63 people, we, at a United Service every fifth Sunday, we, our missions come together. And so we formed a circle. And we had three phases. First, they would they would come on the Lord's Day and during the week have a study group in their colony, in their part of town. And then, second phase was they would have an evening service in their part of town plus a weekly service and bring people to Aviation Colony in the morning so they could see that this was a solid group. It's not, a, not some kind of little sect or cult. And the final stage is when they became completely independent. Now they're running over a hundred. Many years ago, we took another group, two brothers and their families, and 10 miles south, they wanted to have their own town. Now they have a two-story church building, La Pila, which we read in the newsletters. They're running over a hundred. So this is good. My family gives you greetings also. I am not worthy to be here, but I thank you. And I thank you for supporting our work. The message today is on God's precise timing. God is a God of design, not accident. God never improvises. He always knows what he is doing. And God is the eternal timekeeper. He is so eternal he transcends all time but he has his own calendar it is not the same as ours and we must be thankful for that and today I want to speak to you about just four precise times that I find in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 4 verses 3 through 5 even so we when we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world but when the fullness of time was come God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons the Holy Spirit has given us that right to call him Abba Papito, papacito, daddy. There are times when we, we say great God of the universe, almighty God. And there are other times when we are really burdened and we simply say, Abba, help me. And he does. At just the precise time 
the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid, you rejoice, because this day there is born unto you a Savior who is Christ Jesus, the Lord. And then the, then the angels told the shepherds how to find Jesus. And when I was going over this message again this morning, very early, I like to get up early, go through my prayer cards. You are in the prayer cards. And then I started thinking, even today, if somebody wants to find Jesus, God tells him or her where to find him, how to find him. I like your mission statement or your purpose statement, bringing people to whom? There is no other one greater than the Lord Jesus Christ. There are movements that proclaim Jehovah as king, as supreme. And if people only hear about Jehovah, they will never have him for a father. And there are movements that only stress the Holy Spirit. And if all they preach is the Holy Spirit, they will never have the Holy Spirit for a comforter. But when we preach Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, resurrected, and coming again, then we have him for our Savior, God for our Father, and Holy Spirit for our Comforter. Here's our paraclete. At the precise time, the Father sent the Son into the world. I'm going to ask you, you did one thing that made the Word become flesh. What was that? It was not some great achievement we did. What did you do that made him come from heaven? Yes. It was not something good we did. We did one thing that made him come down. We sinned. And there came the time when God knew that mankind was ready for the true lamb not an animal lamb, but the true lamb. And so he sent him. Some say he was made flesh just to feel what we feel. That was the second reason. The main purpose that the word became flesh, John 1.14, is because his spirit cannot give blood. And without blood there is no salvation no remission of sins. He had to become flesh so he could give blood. You and I were all born to live and he was born to die. And over the manger in Bethlehem, if a person had been observing well, he would have seen the shadow of a cross fall across that manger. Why was he born in the stable where are 
sheep born. We're little animals born. And he is the Lamb of God who takes away sin. So he had to be born there. The second thing, John 7 and verse 30 to start. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. At just, at just the right time, Jesus suffered and died at Golgotha. The devil did not want him to die for us. But at Gethsemane, he saw that he was going to anyway. And then the devil thought, if I can kill him, maybe I can stop him from resurrecting. But people who know the occult know that a skull is a symbol of what? Death. But when a stake is driven through a skull, it is a symbol of life because it means that the power of the skull has been broken. And when the cross of Christ in the middle was driven into that skull, the place of the skull, Calvary, Calvarium from the Latin, the, the cranium, the skull, then it broke the power of death. On that day, 1978 years ago, sister, whom did God love more that day of the crucifixion you or his son excuse me yeah but I didn't say your husband I said you whom did he love more yes do you agree he loved you more than his son yes that is a very sobering thought that here is a perfect, pure, holy, only begotten Son. And yet, the Father, being the perfect, loving, compassionate Father that he was, yet he loved us, you and me, at that time, more than his own Son. Because... Jesus told his disciples in Luke 18 and verses 31 through 33. Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. At the precise time, at the right moment, Jesus went to Calvary, and there he gave his life for you and me. We must never forget that. Some churches sadly enough, are forgetting the blood. 
You can preach every other doctrine. You can stress every other thing you want. Holy living, tithing. I'm sorry. You can do anything like that you want. But if you do not include the blood, all the rest is empty. Without the blood, there's no salvation. Sometimes people come to us and they say, just as soon as I quit these habits, I'll, I'll become a Christian. I say, yes. Yeah, I like it. You go to the doctor when you're well. When you're sick, you stay home. Just say, no. And I said, well, then why do you want to come to the Savior thinking that you're okay? He is the one who washes with his blood. We cannot do it with our works. Not at all. Years ago, a new teacher came to school, and the kids were very rowdy. He said, we're going to have some rules, and you're going to help me make them. So they wrote a set of rules on the blackboard, and whatever the infraction was, there was a penalty. And if somebody stole, the punishment was 10 wax on the back with a stick. This is before... Dr. Spock and the others the other failures became popular there was one little boy there Joey his father an alcoholic and his mother also but the father abandoned them Joey was very fragile this was in fifth grade and he would come to school sometimes without breakfast well one day during recess he saw this one kid's lunch, and it was just too much. So, so he ate it. And another kid saw him and told the teacher. And when they came back from recess, the teacher said, Joey, stand up. And right away, he knew what was happening. So he stood, and he said, did you take this one kid's lunch? And he said, yes. He said, I did not want to but I was so hungry. He said, well, the punishment for stealing is, is 10 blows with a stick. You know that. He said, yes. He said, well, come up here. So he walked up there. When he was going to hit the boy, this one big boy, those kind of fifth graders that let me call the touchdowns and get Ds. They should be Fs, but the teacher wants him on the football team, so he gets a D. And this big boy stood up and said, do not touch that boy. And he said, what? He said, do not lay a hand on that boy. And he said, we made a rule. He said, yes. He said, the crime has to be punished. We did not say the person who did it. He walked up, took off his shirt, and took the ten blows, went over and sat down. After school, when they were going home, this big boy felt a jerk on his shirt. He looked down, there was Joey. He said, what do you want? He said, why did you do that? He said, we are not even friends. He said, Joey, you're so fragile. You could never take those 10 blows. They hurt, but I could take it. And there was a time when you and I were in sin and the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. And the law said, 
the soul that sinneth shall die. But then grace came along and said, yes, you deserve to die. You deserve hell, but I do not want you to go to hell. So Jesus said, here, you step aside. I'll get up on the cross for you. At the precise moment, at the right time, Jesus came. Years ago at the penitentiary in San Luis, I give out some sheets of paper, 50 of them, to the, hold the sound down, please. Sorry. I give out these sheets about salvation, and then when we had an invitation, this one man got in the baptistry there at the, at the Christian chapel. And I said, all right, who is Christ to you, and why do you want to be baptized? And he turned, he looked at me, and he said, Brother Mario, everybody else got the papers right away. I, I never got to read one. I do not know what I'm supposed to say. But he said, not only am I a criminal, but I have been a great sinner. And my only hope is Christ Jesus. And if you do not baptize me into him, then I'm lost forever. And I turned to the men and I said, is that a profession of faith? or not and he became a Christian to the glory of God out of 216 people that were released for whom I personally pled only four went back less than 2% you will not find that in any prison in the United States even with all their advanced programs and everything because the gospel changes people not theories Number three, at just the right time, the Holy Spirit descended on Pentecost, the whole chapter, second chapter of the book of Acts, 47 verses. The Holy Spirit descended 1978 years ago. Pretty soon we're going to have Pentecost. One of the great Jewish feasts of the great three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and then Tabernacles. And at home, our three great ones are the Resurrection, Passion Week, and then Pentecost, and then Christmas time, which we observed two times, in September when he was really born, and then in December when the world observes it. So we have two, two celebrations of Christmas there. But at just the right time, the Holy Spirit came. This is now when the day of Pentecost was what? says fully come not just come because this was a special year it was a high year that day the first day of the week the gospel was preached in its entirety for the first time the first people ever saved under the new testament were saved 3,000 people believed repented they asked what to do there was a profession of faith they were immersed into Christ. At that time in Jerusalem, there was one large pool which had enough water in it that it could sustain an ocean-going boat. There were several areas of water in Jerusalem, plenty of water to immerse 3,000 people. Jesus had promised in Matthew 16, verse 18, 
He told Peter, he said, you are Petros, a movable rock, a fragment of a huge rock. And upon this Petra, this huge immovable rock, my deity, which you have just confessed, Peter, I will build my church. And the powers of the world of the dead will not prevail against it. You see, Hades, the gates opened in, but never outwardly. Anybody could go into death, but nobody could come back. One of Hercules' seven tasks was to break those gates, but it would not work. But Jesus said, whoever dies in my church, the powers of the world of the dead will not prevail. And that's the reason that when people say, well, in your church do you have purgatory? And I say, oh, yes. Yes. <clears throat> there at Calvary, Jesus purged our sins. And that's the reason we don't have to worry about it anymore. We do not pay to get out of some place that no longer exists. We do not make others rich off of our grief because he took care of all that. The Holy Spirit came and the Holy Spirit initiated the age of grace. Hey, dear brothers and sisters, we are in this wonderful age of grace. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, then the New Testament age was ushered in. Number four, and this part I really love, so you help me get through it. And you other people, 70 and over, if you want to cry with me, you may. And if you younger ones want to, because you see us doing it, you may also. Revelation 19, verses 11 through 16. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And with it he would smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the 1800s, when the British Empire was the strongest empire in the world, more than the United States, France, or, or, or Russia, Queen Victoria, who was a very strong believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, was asked by, by Canon Farrar, Your Majesty, what is your greatest ambition? And she said, I would like to be living at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ so that I could take the crown of the British Empire and place it at the feet of the only one 
who is truly King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There have been three great epics in the history of the English-speaking people. Alfred the Great, who translated himself part of the scriptures into the old English language, when Elizabeth I was queen and promoted the Holy Scriptures, and under Queen Victoria, when the Scriptures were promoted. When that was gone, England began to decline. It is still true today that righteousness exalts a nation, and sin is a reproach to many people. I'm not going to go into politics at this time, but I was commenting on this trip that I am, I am very sad for those who are being killed in the war in Iraq. But as I hear they're counting four more and it'll be 4,000, so they reach that. 35,000 U.S. people die every year in traffic accidents and alcohol kills three-fourths of those people. Three-fourths of those accidents, alcohol is a factor. Every day, 147 Mexican people die from tobacco. Why, why are they not putting on television today so many Americans were killed by the liquor industry? Far more than in the war. Well, we know why. Because the devil's behind the liquor industry, and right now he's running things here. But that's going to change. Jesus came the first time to wear a crown of thorns, the Stephanos, the victor's crown, second time to wear a diadema, the authority crown. He came that first time riding a little donkey, a beast of burden, very humble. This next time, here's the big white horse. Here he comes. People will not say it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman, oh no. People are gonna say, well, what's this? I mean, big roars and clouds parting and everything. My Savior, Jesus has fulfilled another promise. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, our hope is in heaven and we're waiting for the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is going to come. 700 years before he was born in Bethlehem, Jesus' birth was already foretold. The prophet Isaiah wrote, a virgin will conceive, medically impossible. And yet it happened. And even Mary asked the angel, said, how can this happen? I'm, I'm a virgin. Oh, for God, nothing is impossible. And with that osmotic pressure on her abdomen, the life came through the pores into her womb and began his his human, his carnal process. Nothing is impossible for God. And someday Jesus is coming at exactly the right moment. But some people say, well, that'd be nice if he came today. Well, are you ready? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm fine. How, how many people have you brought to him? What? Oh, I'm saved. I mean, who cares about the others? No. You remember the old song, Shall I Go and Empty-Handed? The Lord does not command us that we have to make the converts. 
But as Mark was telling me, he does tell us that we're supposed to go and preach and teach them. We do not impose our faith on people, but we are commanded to share our faith. And that's the reason we have used every possible means that is not against scripture to promote the faith. Because there are too many people who do not know the Lord yet. Someday, it's not for us to know yet, but someday the father is going to look at his son and say, okay, son. And the Lord will say, it's time, yes, today's the day. And the Holy Spirit will rejoice because part of the Holy Spirit, he has been here like the anonymous one trying to find a wife for Isaac. I mean, yes, for Isaac. Holy Spirit is here trying to convince us that we ought to marry Jesus. We've never seen him. And yet we're supposed to be his bride. And all these years he's been working. Finally he'll say, well, my mission's accomplished. Now I can go back to heaven completely. Not have to spread myself between the two. The Lord's coming. What a day glorious day that will be bringing people to Jesus he who has the son has life he who does not have the son of God does not have life and so Jesus is calling and Jesus is coming to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me that I am meek and lowly of heart for my, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Him that cometh unto me, Jesus says, I will no wise cast out. You will not be rejected if you come to the Lord. But it's your decision. I would like the preacher to come now and offer the invitation to the people because he knows you better than I do. Father, if in some way I failed thee or failed the people, forgive me. But I trust in the Holy Spirit to make up for my deficiencies and to engrave in their heart, their spirit, and soul and mind the thoughts and the words that, that they should remember. So I offer the message to thee. Take it. it. It is for thee and subject to thee. And if somebody's not saved yet, Father, move on that person to make the right decision now. In the name of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, I love thee, Father. Amen. I don't know that I can say it better than it's already been said. The blood of Jesus covers everybody in this room this morning. Uh, he touched on something that we touch on a lot here, and that is that you don't come to Jesus put together. If you've got to be put together to come to Jesus, nobody ever comes to Jesus. It's all about recognizing that we're sinners, we're imperfect, we've got lots of problems. I tell people all the time that Cross Lane is not unlike any other church in America, we're full of broken people. I, I love this church because we are broken people. We have nothing to boast about, there's, there's nothing to brag about. We stand in front of Jesus completely empty-handed, nothing to offer. We've got a bunch of problems, a bunch of worries, a 
bunch of headaches and hassles. And the invitation this morning is that you would lay all that stuff down at the foot of the cross, whether you're a believer or not. If you're a believer, you can just bring all your baggage, all your stuff, and you can put it at the foot of the cross and let it go. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can bring all that stuff to the cross and your sin and your shame and find freedom and grace and forgiveness. That's the invitation this morning. If you've never given your heart and life to Christ, we invite you to come this morning. Thanks for visiting. We hope you've been encouraged. Please feel free to visit us online at clcchurch.com.